Monday and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day Monday through Friday we go over one minute of probably the greatest space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard directed feature Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts Jim O'Kane of tvdads.com. And I'm your other host, I'm Chris Henry from the EAA Aviation Museum. Chris, we our best episodes are always the ones with the guests. I think we both agree on that. Absolutely. It also makes Mondays a little easier. So yeah, yeah that's that's <laughs> true. That's true. We don't we don't have to think so hard. We can get the guests to talk. But uh, we've we've got a great guest, and and very timely too, because right as we're getting into minute one sixteen, we're seeing a young Jay Lovell at a military academy, not too far from uh, where you live, Chris. Yeah, uh, yeah, not up, too far. It's just uh, maybe about an hour. I want to say it's about two hours away, maybe. Okay, yeah. Well, he's yeah up, up there in the, the northern climes of, uh, of Wisconsin. Uh, we're watching uh, Jay Lovell watch his father hopefully not die coming back, but uh, someone who has had that very panic on, you know, launch uh, and on orbit and reentry, uh, son of a uh, great astronaut who, uh, by the way, has a new book coming uh, out now available on Amazon uh, called uh, Father, Son, and Holy uh, Shuttle. Uh, we're here with uh, Patrick Mullane. Patrick, thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks very much for having me. Appreciate it. It's. Uh, I, I read your book. I just finished reading your book yesterday, actually, and uh, it's a fascinating study. And it ha- it it kind of confirms every every idea that I had about growing up in an astronaut family that you you had uh, a lot of joy uh, interspersed with a whole lot of terror. I mean, just... <laughs> <laughs> every now and then, for sure. And, wow. and 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 your your dad who was a, a, a he's you know, an air force an air force pilot as well as being a, an astronaut. Uh, your dad was part of one of the scariest uh, uh, launches since, uh, I'd say, Gemini 6, uh, being out on the pad. And you got to be out there and actually feel what it was like to worry that you just lost your dad. Um, and, and you tell it very dramatically and very uh, frighteningly in, in your book. Um, could you could we go over that experience that you had with, you know, with seeing your dad on the pad and, and wondering whether, whether he had survived? Sure. Yeah, it was uh, 1984. Uh, my father was in the first group of shuttle astronauts, the folks that were called the TFNGs, uh, 35 new guys. And um, he was on the 12th shuttle mission. Uh, the first uh, 11 had gone, for the most part, uh, well, and we're kind of entering the heyday of the shuttle era. Um, and uh, it was on the first um, flight of Discovery. Uh, we were down there for launch. It was a very, very foggy day. In fact, so foggy, we're three miles away on top of the launch control center. You could really barely make out the gantry, uh, and it was very hard to see the shuttle. Um, and the countdown progresses as it does, um, gets down to T minus uh, six seconds or so, which uh, those who are shuttle aficionados know is when the main engines start, and they run for about six seconds or a little less than that to ensure that they're running correctly, because once you light the solid rocket boosters, uh, there's no turning back. Um, and what's interesting is I just described to you why they're started early uh, and the, that there was logic built into the system to shut them down if something was detected uh, that was uh, indicated anomaly. And sure enough, on this launch that happened, the engine shut down after starting and the shuttle never lo- left, left the pad. And even my father mentions this, despite the fact that this was built into the software and that it was a known uh, scenario, uh, 
everybody seems surprised by it. And I think that was the thing that panicked me most. And I talk about it in my uh, book that you mentioned, Jim, is that uh, Mission Control, you, know, you could hear the audio feed or launch control, and they seem confused. And um, I think it's fair to say uh, that even whether you're an astronaut kid or not, uh, uh, confusion and um, a lack of certainty out of mission control is not what you first think of, right? And so that uh, that amplified my fear. And part of the reason it was scary was because A, we couldn't see the pad, B, the engines are shut down. C, we, I had forgotten about the delay in the sound. And so we kind of had our heads down. We saw the fire of the engines um, and put our heads down, realizing something terrible had happened. And then we heard what sounded like an explosion about 20 seconds later. And the brain doesn't remember that there's about that much of a delay because you're that far away from the launch. And so all those, uh, all those things accumulated to make it a very, very scary time. Yeah, it's, uh, you, you tell it very well. And, and as you, as you say, when if if you, I'll I'll post a link to the to the aborted launch on our on our Facebook page, but the idea of these normally calm, cool, and collected uh, flight controllers uh, talking over each other and yelling "break, break, break" to because somebody has you know more important information coming in, I I can't imagine that being a little kid on top of the launch control center must be just it must have been hard not to keep from screaming. Uh, it, it's uh, and, and the other the other idea that you bring up is that your grandparents were there. Your great grandmother was down to visit as well mm -hmm. to watch all this. So the idea of gathering your whole family together to watch dad die must be uh, the, the, the amount of emotions stacked on top of each other. I, it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah, so true. I mean, it's it's very it's a very celebratory event, obviously, for the astronaut, especially on a first mission. It's usually the uh, culmination of a lifelong dream. And then uh, you come down and have almost this wedding-like atmosphere, but it's like going to a wedding where there's a not insignificant chance that the uh, bride and groom might die at the altar while you're watching. Uh, and that's a that's a bizarre that, that's a really bizarre feeling because there's not many other instances in life where, in fact, I can't think of any <laughs> where uh, where that's that's what the feeling would be, how you would describe the experience. Wow, I, I uh, yeah, it, it's it, I, I can't recommend your book enough. I, I, again, if uh, if folks go out to to Amazon, it's available. You uh, you can do like I did and get it on Kindle or get it on, get it on paper book. But uh, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Shuttle is a great great title and a, and a great book. Thank um, you. It, I know that you went you went to school with other uh, with other astronaut kids. Mm -hmm. Did you all? I, I would assume that many of you had the same experience in that. Did you kind of? gravitate to them or did you did you have any interaction with them or how did that work yeah i mean we we all knew each other um casually but usually and it's not no different than teenagers or or uh, preteens anywhere is you often are forced into friendships or at least light friendships with the people that uh, the kids of the people your parents work with um yeah. but but unless there was a you know a, a click there um you weren't going to be best friends with them as you wouldn't with any other uh you know person who had a a father or mother who was a lawyer or an oil worker or something. Um, but we certainly all all kind of knew each other. I do think that most of us astronaut kids who came from military families were a lot more, at least initially, certainly before Challenger, conscious of the danger. Uh, and I do discuss this in my book that, you know, we, we had lived in families, mostly aviator families, where friends of our parents or parents of our friends um, were killed uh, in aircraft. and 
It, it didn't take a rocket scientist, no pun intended, to know that the shuttle was immensely more complicated uh, than a fighter aircraft, and so the chances of something go wrong were uh, that much um, higher. Um, and But we didn't talk about it. I, I certainly don't remember conversations where it, it was almost, frankly, I think, considered uncouth to do that, right? It, you don't you don't speak the unspeakable. Um, but we saw each other and, and you know, hung out each other's, uh, in each other's presence at parties and um, both in high school and uh, through our parents. Was uh, being, you know, when your, your dad was, your dad was in the Air Force and therefore that made you a military brat. So you were, you were bounced around left and right. You lived in a bunch of different places. You would make, you would make friendships with people only to have them, you know, a, a, a half a world away in mm -hmm. a couple of years. Um, when, when your dad was in uh, the astronaut corps, did, was that kind of a, a, a more stable lifestyle? I mean, were you there for a longer period and, and, able, and did that change things for you? Yeah, I think it did. I mean, uh, I believe I was in eight places before my father uh, was selected uh, uh, for the astronaut programs. And I was only 10 years old when we moved to Houston. So wow. gives you an idea how much moving was going on. And then, and then from uh, 10 years old to 18 years old, I lived in Houston. Uh, I finished my elementary school there, went through junior high and high school. Um, and so, yeah, there was certainly uh, a lot more stability. It, it, was, it was a little bit of a bizarre world for us. And I know my father in his book talks about this transition of what effectively was a civilian life. You know, he had gone to Catholic schools, then to West Point and then into the Air Force, and he commented his first day at NASA, he had no idea what you wear. <laughs> you know, he'd never had, to, <laughs> never had to choose his clothing. Um, while that wasn't a, an issue uh, for me, it certainly was unusual to not just stay in one place, but was also very unusual to be around kids whose parents didn't do what my parents did, because obviously on a military base, there's, um, if you're living in military housing, certainly there's um, everybody around you it has some role in the same mission and that just wasn't true in a suburban neighborhood in houston yeah uh, did, did you find it difficult to make friends uh, how i mean how 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 did that affect your life i mean be, you know being thrown into civilian life getting getting acclimated to that no in fact i think the opposite um i've said this and other military brats i've spoken with uh, almost unanimously agree with me is that the military life makes you very good at making new friends quickly uh, because you're always thrown into this blender uh, with people that you didn't know um, on a first day of school and that might last, you know, you might be in that school for a year and then you're leaving. Uh, so I think it really helped train me uh, well to be a social animal and, and meet new friends. Now, like any individual though, that has a lot to do with my own DNA. I have a twin sister and I think she would say she hates walking to a room with people she doesn't know. So <laughs> um, you have to have a predisposition, but I do think that uh, military uh, brat life does train you well uh, to acclimate to new situations. Did um, I, I got to ask, like, it's got to be pretty cool to go into somewhere and like, yeah, my dad's an astronaut. <laughs> like, like, that's got to be pretty cool. <laughs> it, yeah, it can be. Although one, it's funny, as an adult, if, it, if a conversation goes there, I find that most people seem to dismiss it like I'm a whack job. I think it just seems like such a unusual thing to say, right? I mean, it's just not, especially by the way, living up in Massachusetts, you know, it'd be one thing if you're down in Houston or the Cape, uh, uh, not the Cape up here, but the <laughs> Cape Cod, yeah. but uh, Cape <laughs> Kennedy, um, I, you know, it might be more expected, but I think a lot of people I meet um, in my adult life uh, are incredulous when I say it. Um, and and often the, the follow-up, the question is, uh, 
did he go into space? And, you know, I mean, it's kind of funny. I always want to say, no, he's an astronaut that didn't go into space. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it, it is very, very unusual. As a kid, it certainly, and I mentioned this in my book, in, in my high school, it was not that big a deal. There were a lot of, there were a lot of kids, a lot, you know, a handful of kids whose parents were astronauts. And um, there were, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of just uh, NASA workers. Um, but it was it was a weird life. I, in fact, uh, I, it's a great story. I don't tell it in my book, but um, Charlie Bolden, uh, who was you know I don't know like a four or five time astronaut and was administrator of NASA for a while, um, he lived uh, you know nearby, and his son was in my high school. Uh, his son was uh, quite a bit younger than me. I think he might have been three years behind me. But I'll never forget. Uh, I saw his son one day at school, and he had an earring. And uh, Charlie Bolden's a former Marine, and I saw him <laughs> at a basketball game uh, that night at the high school. And I went up to him and I said, "Hey, uh, uh, Mr. Bolden." I probably called him by his rank, whatever his last rank was. I don't remember what it was, but general, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he wasn't a general at the time, though. I don't know what <laughs> oh, it yeah. was. But I said, uh, "I said, hey, I saw. I think his son's name was Chaz. I said, I saw Chaz's earring. I said, what? You, kind of goading him a bit. I said, what do you think of that?" And he, he doesn't even look at me. He just kind of, you can see his jaw flexing. He's looking out the basketball courts. As he said, I, I told him that that ear ring's great, uh, but that if it wasn't gone by tonight, uh, his ear would not be attached to his head. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, by the way, he is the kindest, nicest man in the world. So uh, <laughs> playing a bit. Of, and I think his, I think that son went on to be a, a commander of a, of a, um, of a, <laughs> Marine Corps air wing or something. Wow. So, um, but <laughs> so, so, yeah, so the, there were, you know, th there were astronaut families floating about and a lot of NASA worker families as well. When I had this, uh, when I was in air traffic control school, um, we had this, uh, instructor who had been a Marine and, um, I'll never forget as long as I live. Um, we had, uh, a, a kid in our class who had long hair, like, he looked like like Nick Cage from <laughs> Con Air type long, yeah. you know. And um, I'll never forget as long as I live. His exact quote was the guy's name was Steve, and he said, "Steve, I've got nothing against long hair. Jesus had long hair. Jesus didn't control air traffic. That hair's gone tomorrow." <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget that like day one of class. Like, good God. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, it's a, that sounds a lot like he sounded that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, wow, uh, when you when you watch Apollo thirteen, do you, I, do you relate to the to the kids that are in this show? I mean, how does how does it feel as a as a portrayal of what it's like being an astronaut kid? Yeah, very much. In fact, I was watching some of it last night. Um, I think um, I, I suspect that for a lot of astronaut kids, um, that often and it might have been different for the, the uh, going to the moon because of the, there was a lot more intricacy involved. But um, we were typically you know, very scared during launch. Um, after launch, I would say it got pretty relaxing. Now, certainly, um, you know, there's these kind of markers along the history of the shuttle program that change that, you know, launch wasn't that as scary until after Challenger and then landing wasn't all that scary until and landing and reentry until uh, Columbia. Um, but, uh, you know, the tension and, and fear, I think, um, is there. I mentioned in my book this this weird sense of emotions where when you go to a launch, you can't wait for the clock to get to zero, but you're terrified of it getting to zero. There's this, there's always this, you know, tug in your soul back and forth on those two things. And um, last night in the scene, shortly before the one that you're covering on this episode, um, where 
you know, the daughter uh, of Lovell is uh, with Mrs. Lovell talking to the mother about how something's gone wrong and she starts crying and kind of that, that uh, I really related to that because it's a sense of um, anticipation and emotion building, building, building. Uh, things seem to go well and then you hear about something go wrong and you, I, I think that for a lot of people um, there would need to be a release when that happens and certainly in the case of the uh, Lovell kid in the movie, that's what happens. Um, I never had... Uh, had that i mean i certainly had fear in that episode uh my dad's first launch that we were just talking about um but most of the other time i didn't and uh, i'm fortunate because i didn't know a lot um neither did the crew for that matter on on his first mission on sts 41d they had the first complete burn through i believe of the of an o-ring yeah. uh with the secondary saving him and then on sts uh, uh 27 with uh, a break off of the part of the nose cone of the srb uh damaged and and ripped off uh, close to 700 tiles. I, you know, there was actually melted metal uh, when they returned. Um, so exactly what happened to Columbia. So he, he dodged some bullets, and fortunately, I wasn't aware of those while he was uh, while he was actually on the missions. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that. You talked about um, the possibility of your dad doing a spacewalk because of the ice buildup. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was I was just wondering how how much you were informed during the mission, or if that's something that you heard about mostly when you came back I'd... no that that i was informed about um the i should mention his first mission was a completely unclassified three commercial satellites in a solar array test uh mission um so we had a little box actually very much like an apollo 13 i do remember this some sort of um like intercom if you will was installed in our home uh so we could hear uh communications um with uh, mission control and we were informed by our astronaut escorts, uh, the family escorts, uh, when they realized the effectively as a wastewater dump in the urine dump was freezing and they, they were worried about it breaking off and damaging the orbiter and they may have to do a spacewalk. We knew about that in advance. And as I say in my book, as a kid, I was really disappointed they didn't get to do one because um, yeah. I knew you know, that would just be kind of cool. My dad saving the day by knocking a a uh, urine ball off the side of the space <laughs> shuttle. Um, yeah, but uh, a medal for that, I guess. I... <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. As the Navy guys would say, in the Air Force, there probably is a medal. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, his, his second two missions were both uh, classified military missions, and so on those, after launch, we really didn't hear much of anything. Uh, I was completely unaware, as my mother was, of uh, the tile damage um, on STS-27. Now, in fairness, and I have a blog post about this uh, at pjmullane.com, the, the crew um, the crew thought there was a problem. Mission Control appear, apparently did not because they were looking at encrypted video because it was a DOD mission and didn't see with clarity what the crew did. So it was a really interesting study in, in how two people seeing the same thing interpreted it differently. Yeah, it was a resource test kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah, it was, um, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm glad you you did discuss uh, your dad's um, you know he he almost was the first uh, crew to launch or, or any crew to launch out of Vandenberg and I know yeah. that, that uh, in his book he talks about how he just you know, that that was a, a regret a big regret for him um, I uh, I always feel bad that they that that part of uh, of the shuttle history kind of disappears people don't people don't mm -hmm. realize that you know the Air Force paid for half of the shuttle development simply because they wanted to be able to do polar orbit missions. That's why the, yep. the, the outsized uh, uh, main engines and the, uh, the stubby wings so that it can move 1,500 miles either way off of its flight path and the gigantic cargo bay that just will happen to fit a, a keyhole satellite <laughs> in it. Um, but, uh, yeah, your dad would have been uh, been one of the cool uh, Space Force guys of, you know, 
of, yeah, of yeah. Um, it's uh, it, I, I I've met your dad. I, I, I mentioned this before we record. I met your dad a couple of times down at uh, KSC when he did the lunch with an astronauts thing. And uh, at the end of the day at, at Kennedy, uh, whoever the visiting astronaut is usually at the bookstore, and you can just go up and and chat with him, and he'll be signing his you know he, he has he has his riding rockets book out, and he'll he'd sign a copy or sign a picture and things like that. And uh, your dad, uh, his, I think I think it's a requirement of astronauts that you can't be you you cannot be an introvert. You cannot you can't be into your you know. Not I know you met John Young. People. John Young was introvert. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I well, you don't get to work in the you, you don't you don't get to to work in the afternoon at the at the yeah. store if you're yeah exactly. <laughs> but uh, your your dad is one of the most outgoing guys and easygoing guys. Uh, I've. I've ever met uh, in the astronaut corps, so uh, I just I uh, I haven't I have you know we can't in this year of the plague we can't really go anywhere. But uh, if you see your dad, tell tell him that uh, th- thanks for being such a great guy. I will. I think he's a great guy too. <laughs> yeah, same here. He was so uh, uh, you know as I was working with setting up him to to come visit uh, us at Oshkosh, um, it was very uh, uh, you know the one thing that EAA is is fun with is. Uh, uh, assignments where they're just like, go talk to that astronaut, and you're just like, oh my god, like I've, all right, I gotta go muster some courage, go, you know, uh, call an astronaut, and uh, your dad was is just really, really cool and laid back and super approachable and uh, just a genuine cool guy and uh, a pleasure to work with. Yeah, I, uh, thanks for yeah. saying that, guys. I'll definitely pass it on. I, you know, if I'm sure Jim, when you read my book, I, um, my father and I have a special bond, and uh, I certainly think he's a great guy, and I had a great childhood because of both him and my mom. So, um, certainly, I'm a fan. And you're, you're talking about your grandfather in the, in the book with with mm-hmm. his RV and stuff. So it definitely runs in the family that you guys have no fear. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I don't want to I don't want to spoil, but the the story of your dad uh, of your grandpa using your ID to get on on base yeah, is one was... that you really get the book and read. <laughs> He was, I laugh just thinking about it. He was so fearless. I had somebody send me a note saying I need to write a sequel and it has to be all about my grandfather. <laughs> yeah. Maybe is, maybe is an idea. Yeah, he was, um, I, I will say this, I won't spoil the story, but um, he contracted polio in World War II. He was a, a B-17 air crew member and then um, flew in transports as well um, and probably contracted it, you know, being around uh, GIs who were being, you know, shuttled around who, who, had, uh, who had polio. Um, and I, I, a combination of kind of his New York upbringing and his uh, polio and, you know, the, the cards that had been dealt to him. And, and this is in a time when, you know, having a disability uh, would have been, you know, immensely more difficult, as difficult as today than it even is today, because there was no American with Disabilities Act. There's no ramps. You know, it was very difficult. And um, and he I think the combination of those things just made him fearless, like, hey, what's the worst that can happen? I'll I'll see what I can do. But he, was a, <laughs> he was a great man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He, I, I pictured, um, you know, the, the cartoon uh, King of the Hill. Uh, I think he's Hank, <laughs> yeah. Hill's, Hank Hill's dad. He just is, he's just this little bulldog of a guy moving along, and like, it, it, no is not the correct answer. So <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, it, it, but he was he was a kind guy too. Just really an amazing man. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, I, I'm really uh, I'm glad I got to, to that you shared your family. And it's again the uh, the book is called uh, Father, Son, and Holy Shuttle, and it's really worth your time to read. I I don't usually plug books, but I, I'd say it's it's a great uh, insight into into seeing how 
how a family that happens to have an astronaut in it runs. And it's not just about your dad, and it's not just about you. It's about everything going on in your world, which is uh, yeah, it's very very well told and and uh, quite entertaining. I um I do, I do have a question. My uh when my uh when my kids were when my kids were small, they lost their mom. Uh, she was she had been murdered, and one of the things. Oh, sorry about that. Well, one one of the things that's a problem when when they were growing up was we had to they called it the mom bomb and it's like any relationship that you get in eventually uh you have to drop the mom bomb yeah. and i keep thinking when you 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 say that you know, when you go when you when you meet people and you tell them that your dad was an astronaut it, I mean, it's it's not it's not quite the same thing, but it's like you still have to decide in any relationship <laughs> when do you tell these people that your dad's a spaceman and how how are they going to react and and you also like you've been through this a number of times, so you have to you you probably have a a routine where they're going to ask the following five questions, <laughs> and it probably one of them will involve going to bath going to the bathroom in space yeah. or something, and um <laughs> and did he so, go to the moon? That's yeah, did he go? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was just, I was just wondering, what are the standard questions that you get asked, and when do you decide? I mean, I guess you know, a professional relationship or a personal relationship. You know, you move into your next door neighbors, and oh yeah, by the way, yeah. Uh, how does that, how does that work with you? Um, well, it depends. I mean, it's funny. My college buddies tease me all the time in saying that I always used it to pick up girls when I was in college. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't remember it that way, but I do remember it. They used to tease me because I'd you know be at a party or something, having a drink and talking to a young lady and. And uh, one of my friends loved to come up and just say, oh, I see you've met Patrick. His dad's an astronaut. Has he told you yet? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I caught a lot of heat. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's not, as you can imagine, especially as an adult, it's not uh, and not living anywhere near the Space Center. It's not something that, that a conversation would naturally lead to. So it's rare that it's brought up. What I find is usually that somebody, if a close friend is with me who knows, and I'm in this, and we're in the company of people who don't. Uh, they often will think it's cool and bring it up. It happened to me. In fact, I was playing golf with a good friend last weekend, and there was somebody with us I'd never met before. And sure enough, he mentioned it in the first, you know, ten minutes we'd met, uh, which I don't mind because I think it's kind of cool too, and it's, you know, it's an interesting life and uh, fun to talk about. Most of the questions. Um, are, are pretty pedestrian though. You, you covered them, you know, sometimes the bathroom question often asked if he went to the moon, um, how many times did he go, uh, into space? Uh, you know, what, what was the vehicle? Um, people, it is funny how people seem to forget the shuttle. It's always, uh, often the questions about Apollo, you know, yeah, 30 um, years of a shuttle and nobody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, and we, we all live this stuff and most Americans are still pretty uh, ignorant of a lot of the history. Um, in fact, I, uh, um, I work at Harvard business school and I was recently uh, giving a presentation just to test some new technology we have for a virtual classroom. And, you know, there were a bunch of really smart people uh, in that class, including, you know, faculty at uh, Harvard business school. And I had a, a testing a poll feature. I asked how many people, um, have walked on the moon and uh, of the four choices I had uh, 12 was the least selected so wow um, you know people just had <laughs> wow. uh, had no sense of it uh, so you know often the questions are come from a place of just not a lot of knowledge uh, but that's fine too I, there's a lot of things I don't know anything about and so it's fun to you know help people learn yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it, it's, you have to look at it as an opportunity, and uh, hopefully, that's what we're we're getting with people yeah. listening to the podcast that they may have not thought of these things. Uh, one of the things I find with Apollo thirteen is uh, a lot of younger people, you know, say maybe thirty or younger, 
they are under the impression that there were two Apollo missions. One was Apollo 11 and the yeah. other one was Apollo 13. And, you know, the, the, they don't know how they came up with those numbers, but that's where. Yeah, those that's were the a good two point. Missions. You know, when, when Tom Hanks was there and, and then Apollo 11, uh, I don't think I don't think the first man movie has caught up yet. <laughs> no, and no. Pete Conrad would. De- I can't wait for the Pete Conrad movie. That's going to be a very colorful movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Apollo 13 was great for uh, for NASA. And uh, and I have to admit, I, I was not um, I mean, I knew there was an Apollo 13. I knew there was a problem, but I hadn't uh, read the book and the movie, um, you know, really educated me in a way about, you know, something you would expect I would have known more about um, that, you know, was really really great and so it's great to know that does it for so many more americans yeah but i I was i keep thinking about apollo 13 now your dad was you know still it's still in the program in 1995 um it watching apollo 13 is kind of like being a titanic survivor and going to see a movie about a shipwreck I, 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 i don't know how much you want to dwell on it when you're you wanna, yeah, you do think of all the things that could go uh, that can go wrong. In fact, um, in my book, I mentioned after that pad abort that we discussed earlier, um, they change out an engine on the orbiter uh, to because of some sluggish valve. I think they found to be the problem. And all I could think of, I remember laying awake at night. Um, you know, the launch has been rescheduled. I think it was about a I want a three month delay or something. And yeah, uh, all I could think of was having seen pictures of a space shuttle main engine or any rocket engine for that matter, all of the the tubing. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking of a technician who you know went on a bender the night before and are they going <laughs> to connect, you know, hose A to B instead of A to A and, you know, ended up yeah. killing my dad. There's just so many people have to get their job right for the thing to work. Um, yeah, you're, you're hoping that they're not going home and having fights with their wives or something. Yeah, and just being right. an, annoyed and tightening it too hard. or Yeah. Yep. Just, uh, it's uh, Well, thanks for confirming all of our biggest fears. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wonderful yeah. life, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, ha- you have a great dad and a great family. I just, I, again, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed. Re- it's a very, uh, I live in Texas, and it's a very Texas story. I felt a, I yeah, felt that's a lot true. of a lot of the area in your in your book again the the book is called uh father son and holy shuttle and uh it's a great but also uh your dad's book riding rockets is excellent so you can see kind of a point counterpoint in the whole thing (laughs) of how how two two people in the same family viewed uh, different uh, events Uh, but uh uh, patrick thanks so much for being on our show Uh, again where can people find you online where where are are my website is uh pj mullane m-u-l-l-a-n-e.com so pj awesome and uh please visit it it's 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 very worth worthwhile seeing it well this has been a great start to our week um we're getting close to re-entry and uh gosh chris we we've got less than uh, we're now less than 20 minutes left of the movie that's insane i can't believe it yeah it's it's wild but uh we've got a a lot of great shows coming up and again people hopefully as fascinating as patrick will be be coming up uh in the near future um but we will be uh, uh continuing more as we get closer and closer to planet earth uh, so it looks like we're coming up on uh, loss of signal in about 30 seconds. So we'll see here tomorrow, Tuesday, on the Apollo 13 Minute.